0: Interpreting the historical Jesus, the, the Jesus that we can know from history, is a bit like looking into a well. You get a reflection of yourself. One of the things that I always love about talking about religion or talking about spirituality, atheism, God, etc, is that it's never really a resolvable question. It's a kind of a humbling thing to do, and I suppose with this play is what I'm trying to do is get people to a to a point of questioning uh, look at their own assumptions and look at their own beliefs and feel humble to some extent
1: Hello, I'm Dave I'm the guy that's putting all this stuff together I need to get better Please make me better I want to get better 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 acquainted with you Today, we're getting even better acquainted with Alex. Hello, Alex. Hello, Dave. And we're outside in my back garden on a slightly windy day to explain the sound of the trees in the background. And uh, there's a strange sound that the umbrella is making that's in the table that's above our heads. Makes it sound like we're sort of uh, in a very fancy place now I've said an umbrella above
0: our heads. Anyway... We are in a fancy place, you're in your house.
1: Well, yeah, only, only for a few months longer, this is my place. Uh, I'm going to be moving to a less fancy place, so I can feel less uh, guilty about living in a nice house, because I'll live in a less nice house, which is great. <laughs> that's 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 a good thing, eh? So yeah, the first question that I ask people, and I should say up up, up front, this, this is your second appearance on Getting Better Acquainted. People can listen back to me having a conversation with you, and then you having a, a conversation with me. You're one of the the few people who've been a guest host on the uh, show. Lots of people have enjoyed your different approach to mine uh, in the way that you interviewed me. Mm. Uh, so I think both of them are worth checking out but the first question that I ask you and I'm asking you again is uh, how do you know me?
0: I know you from school from when we went to school together in Cardiff about 20 years ago now.
1: I've been recently trying to work out how to describe you as a friend because I guess you're like I want to say you're my oldest friend but you're not technically my oldest friend. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, w- I want to say you're my best friend but I don't like the idea of hierarchies within friendships and there's certainly people who i'm as close to as you or in different ways mm-hmm. if i was to get married i guess you'd have to be my best man oh, thank you but there would be a number of other people i'd also like to be a part of that best manism sort of thing so i came up with well i asked twitter but twitter uh, twitter gave me some lots of uh, lots of possible answers but none of them were quite right and then uh, i've come up with fernwa friend which is a German word for being homesick for a home you've never been in. Mm-hmm. Do you think that describes our our friendship? Have yeah, I to got some right of definitely. Jen thought you'd be offended by that. I thought you wouldn't. Who was right? <laughs> Jen's my partner, by the way.
0: <laughs> no, I can see what you mean. There's the there's a there's a Welsh word as well, in the Hirath or something like that, and it's a pining for a place that you never get back to or something like that. So that's, that's about well. right too.
1: So we've got we've we've had a we've got a kind of very like uh, intense friendship.
0: That's true.
1: And and sometimes co- creative collaboration kind of thing going yes, on, yes, yes, which has also been intense. Always. Which, I guess, is what attracts us to it, but also is what makes it like an in, like also a bit repellent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there are ups and downs. <laughs>
1: Yeah. The second question I ask people is, what do you do now? Um, I'm a teacher. Are you a full-time teacher?
0: No, I'm a part-time teacher.
1: What do you do the rest of your time?
0: I try and write.
1: I'm saying this like I don't know. (laughs) Are you you studying writing? Oh yeah, yeah,
0: I'm studying. I'm studying creative writing for screen and theatre.
1: Which is one of the reasons why you're on the show today. That's right, yes. What is your current project that you're writing?
0: Um... My current project that I'm writing is a fictional play about the lost years of Jesus. It's uh, basically about his undocumented childhood and how his birth as an illegitimate child led him along a path to believe that he was the son of a god.
1: Okay so it's kind of a, a realistic interpretation. Wow, that's some thunder. God, god. Does, god does not like your screenplay, mate. Uh, yeah. Jesus. Well, is it going to start raining? It's going to start raining.
0: And the original God of Jesus, Yahweh, is a uh, is a storm god as well. So. Uh, well, all the best gods are storm gods, like Zeus. Right. Thor. Yep.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's definitely in, because uh, I'm interested in uh, Christianity a little bit. I'm not as uh, schooled as you are in ancient kind of uh, Arimatheic life, but I, I, I'm into the to the stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm also into other mythology stories, and there's a real crossover between a lot of them. Whoa, <laughs> the, the, the gods really don't <laughs> like this conversation. Um. Fuck. Right. The wind is is blowing away Sounds. stuff that's on the table. We've got like tea made and some biscuits. Is it starting to rain? And it's, it is starting to rain. So we're going to have to uh, put this on pause. I think. or Maybe. I don't know. It's up to you. Let's
0: go for a little longer and see what happens. Maybe we'll get some lightning.
1: What? This is going to be... I'm going to have to put this down because it's going to blow away. So I think we better pause it and uh, continue in a minute. Okay. Pause while God stops play. Some episodes of Getting Better Acquainted focus really just on one of the set questions. Sometimes it takes a whole hour to talk about what someone does now. Today's episode really is a whole hour talking about what Alex has to plug. Hopefully it's a really interesting hour, because it's a really interesting thing that he's plugging. If you are interested in what Alex is talking about today, you should absolutely check out the Kickstarter for Son of Man, which is the play that he is producing. You'll be able to find that Kickstarter very soon. It's either already there or it'll be there next week depending on when you hear this. The best way to keep informed of what's going on with the play is to follow at Son of Man Play on Twitter or to search on Facebook for the Son of Man Play group. Talking about crowdfunding I've got some of that going on my show Stand Up Tragedy are trying to raise the funds to take our show up to the Edinburgh Festival help support some tragedy help support some independent art if you like getting better acquainted help support me you're getting free episodes of my show that's great i like giving people free stuff but if i don't raise enough money that money's going to come out of my pocket and i can't afford really to spend it so i've taken a big gamble you can help that gamble pay off so that's the hopefully gentle stick The carrot is that there's some brilliant perks over there on our crowdfunder that you can get in exchange for funding us. So it's win-win, win-win-win. Everybody gets something from this transaction. Go over to bit.ly forward slash tragic fringe to find out more about that Indiegogo campaign. And another great way to support getting better acquainted and to help raise that money to take stand-up tragedy up to Edinburgh is to come along to Greek Tragedy at the Dog Star in Brixton this Thursday. So tomorrow, if you've downloaded this on the day it came out, today, if it's the day after, or sometime in the past. Greek Tragedy includes Andy Zaltzman. Like all of our shows, it's a variety show where there's music, there's comedy, there's spoken word, there's all sorts of great acts mixed together, established and up and coming to create a night of tragedy where you will cry, you will laugh, you will think, and you will have a cathartic sing-along at the end. If you can't get to Greek tragedy, or Greek tragedy has already happened, Don't worry, there's another show coming up before Edinburgh. On the 9th of July, we'll be doing Tragic Misadventures, which is a crossover with Kit Lovelace's amazing storytelling night, Romantic Misadventure. We'll be doing that at the Black Heart in Camden on the 9th of July. And you can buy tickets for either of those shows for £5 if you go over to bit.ly Tragic Fringe Tickets for London Shows are included in the perks. This is the end of the advert break. Back to an in-depth conversation about Jesus. Right. Oh, my God. It it is actually just stopping raining. But we've moved moved location from the garden to my my bedroom in the attic. Well, my, my study, I guess, in the attic. Don't sleep here. There may be extreme rain. In a little while, which will demonstrate the uh, extreme rain that just happened to us uh, when we were talking about religion, which I, th- I think suggests that we, you know, maybe atheists should reconsider their opinions. <laughs> you know, I was just saying that Jesus, being kind of mythologically, because he's the one who rises again. That makes him kind of in line with Odin, who uh, dies and rises again. He's he, he's hung upside down and dies, the hanged man kind of thing. And also with Loki, who is chained for the rest of eternity with venom dripping down onto his chest, and his wife is catching the venom to stop him from getting hurt. And every every so often, she has to uh, empty the venom, and then the venom hits him. And uh, I think that's why earthquakes happen.
0: Oh, okay. But
1: uh, and the the other one that that, that dies and rises again is prometheus the greek god who is chained to the rock face and every day a uh a, i think i think it's an eagle pecks out his uh heart and intestines and everything and he dies and then he he, he comes alive again for the same fate the next day mm-hmm. and he was the light bringer and that's another thing i think that jesus falls into because he's bringing the the light of god mm-hmm. um and another light bringer in christian mythology obviously is uh Lucifer, that's what his name was, wasn't it, I think, the light bringer.
0: um I'm not sure where he, the name Lucifer comes from, actually.
1: You're not so interested in, in the Old Testament. No, I, the, am. The Old I am.
0: Um, I just don't particularly know Lucifer.
1: Yeah, the Bringer of Light, that's what Lucifer is. Oh, okay. I don't know if that's the exact translation, but that's definitely a, a subtitle.
0: <laughs> right, right, okay.
1: Yeah, so some weird feedback going on and I'm not sure why. Maybe it got wet. Anyway it seems to be recording. Good good. Let's not get distracted by the avenues of symbolism because I could talk about the symbolism of uh, mythologies all day but that's not why you came on the show. You came on the show to talk about your show. Right, uh, with your writing and your what is, it, is it, it's not just a script though, is it there's there's more to what you're doing at the moment than that.:
0: Yeah, um I'm trying to get a Kickstarter together, which should be on Kickstarter now, Son of Man. so I'm basically trying to um like fund it so that I can put, put on a performance of it and um, bring the sort of Christian story, a new atheist humanist angle to its its mythos
1: okay well we'll get into the actual kickstarter campaign and what you want to do later on okay why
0: why jesus lots of reasons really one of them is i'm really interested in what jesus means to us as a society i think it's maybe fair to say that a lot of people would recognize him as a sort of a western foundational stone of morality and ethics and stuff. I think a lot of people would say that you know our civilization, to some extent, and our ethics that we've built on this civilization begin with Jesus. And so, for that reason, these are fascinating character. In a more general sense, talking about religion and explaining it in, in as many different ways as possible, to me seems like uh, one of the most civilized and truthful things you can do in art. So uh, I thought I'd write a play about it
1: it's the cultural significance of Jesus that drew you to the story of Jesus or was there something in the story of Jesus that appealed to you as a as a a person as a human being
0: sure so it starts off with that but I guess one of the things that appeals to me about it is the first time we see the historical Jesus in history he turns up to a sinner's baptism and is baptized by John the Baptist now later Christian writers Matthew Luke, etc., edited this version a little bit. But the original story is, like most historians I really think that obviously like, this historical
1: viewing of, uh, of a holy text it's not, it's not, it's not pleasing the Lord. No. Um,
0: first time we see the historical Jesus in history is in the Gospel of Mark, arguably around 70 AD. And Jesus doesn't have a virgin birth. He doesn't have any kind of pre-existence. He just turns up one day at John the Baptist, who is baptising sinners and is baptised by John the Baptist. So that's kind of an embarrassing thing for Christians and for Christian theologians, and they have all kinds of ways of explaining that. But what I'm most interested in is, well, what was the reason that he went to that baptism for sinners? And what was the reason... That he got himself baptized, I mean was there something in his own life that he was atoning for something that's completely disappeared out of history and and so my play is kind of like a fictional account of what that thing could be.
1: so you think that there was a there was definitely historically a Jesus?
0: I used to think there was. The more I researched it, the less I'm sure I don't think it's a cut and dry matter by any means. I think there's a good case to be made for the fact that the, he never really existed. But I still generally err on the side of there was a actual person called it. But of course that person became the Jesus of faith, the God Jesus, a lot later on. In my play, this idea is explored by having like an utterly human Jesus and exploring his relationship with what's called the Christ Angel which is a pre-existent being that Jewish people may have worshipped in the time of Jesus. And it kind of explores how him being an illegitimate child, a bastard child, is drawn to this idea of a perfect heavenly figure who will come back and judge the world. Well, not come back, come to judge the world and make everything right. So it's kind of like looking at the eyes of the mythological Christ through the historical Jesus.
1: There was a, Philip Pullman did a a book about that, I think.
0: Mm. Have you read it? Uh, I've looked over it, yeah.
1: I haven't read it, but I I like his dark materials. I like those books. Mm -hmm. So you're looking at this possible historical context is it saying, is it making a definitive call on whether or not there is a God and whether or not Jesus is the son of that God? Or is it ambiguous and outside of that context? Because it happens earlier on in his life, doesn't it, than than what we generally see in the Bible. So it doesn't necessarily mean that, that the Bible couldn't be true.
0: Right. So in my play, it's not left ambiguous that no god exists in my play except for in the minds of the characters and everything is done about through a natural naturalistic explanation of what whatever happens the thing is we're predisposed linguistically to consider jesus to be the son of god and to be the christ etc etc the messiah and so forth because that idea of a Christ, of a Messiah, of a Christ angel, all existed beforehand. So even when we say, is Jesus the Son of God? It presupposes that there is a the Son of God. Okay, so it's like, it's almost a loaded question. So you're saying, well, is so-and-so the Son of God? Is so-and-so the Son of God? Is Jesus the Son of God? Well, who is this the Son of God that we're talking about? And that entity existed in Jewish literature before Jesus, and existed in Jewish philosophy before Jesus, in a whole sort of different variety of ways.
1: The saviour figure is common throughout religion and also throughout narratives. Yeah, uh, it's one of the like basic narratives that we 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 tell. I think. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. The play is about looking at that idea of a of a saviour of a heavenly figure, and looking at how jesus got influence from the jewish past his jewish past and the kind of the philosophy of the greeks who had a big, very big thing about uh the logos excuse me if thought turn that off sorry
1: it's such a unpleasant ringtone <laughs> That would absolutely upset me. I I hate phone calls at the best of times. I've got this kind of science fiction ringtone and it's kind of annoying anyway. It's quite high-pitched. My my ringtone confuses people. No, no. Do you need to take that call?
0: No.
1: You know, obviously, God really doesn't want you to talk about this because every time you try, he's trying to stop you. So your play assumes that there is no God. Do you assume that there is no God?
0: I consider myself practically an atheist, philosophically an agnostic and culturally a Christian. So, <laughs> I think it's a... Uh, I mean the play is about religious people in the past. It's an alternative explanation of the the origins of beliefs. but It does kind of assume that there's no God and uh, tells the story in such a way.
1: So do you think that there's no God?
0: I don't know for sure. There could well be a God. There could well be lots of things. But I personally don't believe that there is the Christian God on a day-to-day basis. I wouldn't completely rule it out. Maybe there is. But it seems extremely, extremely unlikely.
1: Do you object to the Christian God?
0: It depends on what you mean by the word Christian. I think that's that's the real problem with this kind of debate, is that there's so many different ways that you can just define christian i mean christian in the base, most basic sense to me means someone who follows the words of jesus so the words of jesus are already kind of conflicted because the gospels don't exactly agree on what he said and what he meant so there's a lot of scope for interpretation as you as you well know and uh, it's very hard to get things straight i suppose There are elements of the traditional Christian God that I certainly disagree with, like the doctrine of hell, the doctrine of the atoning sacrifice, stuff like that.
1: Original sin.
0: Original sin, right.
1: Homosexuality being wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the classics.
0: All all that good stuff, yeah.
1: Would it be fair to say that it's not people's individual faiths that is the problem, it's the organisation of the church? Or do you think that there's a problem in the actual just basic source material that leads to the existence of the church in the in its historical terrible form
0: i think to an extent yeah i mean i don't think people will argue that the gospel of john is not anti-semitic and you can make a case for it and say yeah the gospel of john is not anti-semitic but what the gospel of john taught did lead to anti-semitism later on in history and so there's a lot of things that are sort of laid down in the New Testament and in the Bible that maybe they weren't, you know, a hundred percent malicious or bad at that time, but because they became so encoded and became such a doctrine, people didn't think for themselves, and and uh, and they and they led to worse things. So it's it's a hard thing to say, you know, oh yeah, the Bible, the New Testament is completely wrong. It's complete. We should just throw it out. It's complete rubbish. I wouldn't go that far, but there's definitely things that are problematic in there, and you know any intelligent believing person will has to face that.
1: As you say, the Bible and Christianity is kind of the one of the dominant, if not the dominant, cultural reference point of Western civilization, right?
0: Yes, and no. Even here is a difficult question because that's something we all assume, but it's not necessarily the case a lot of academics have made an argument to say, well, it's not actually that much of an impact. I mean, obviously it is big, but it's not the be-all and end-all. But then certain people would say that it is the be-all and end-all, and that's kind of, I suppose, my audience in a way.
1: Well, I mean, the thing is, what I'm saying is that if it's the major cultural reference point, or one of the major, or at least a very important cultural (laughs) reference point, and it's been that for centuries... Mm -hmm. Possibly even more than that. Like, I don't know. Math isn't my strong suit. There have been many, 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 many interpretations of the life of Jesus Christ. Right. There's been interpretations by Christians. There's been interpretations by people who aren't Christian. There's been uh, interpretations by people bending Jesus' story to their agendas mm-hmm. or uh, twisting Jesus' stories to undermine the agendas that they think or that are there within Christianity. I mean, it, there's a lot to be argued for most positions around Jesus, that, that, that he's been used in so many different ways that many of them have, have been brilliant. Mm-hmm. There's been great art made about him. Mm-hmm. There's been amazing challenges to him and reinterpretations from going up into you know modern times in you know the last temptation of christ Mm -hmm. it's not been that long since that happened Mm -hmm. so many so many so many so many things about jesus so many things from atheists or people who are anti-jesus out there all the time almost we've been bombarded by anti-jesus propaganda not as much as 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 pro Jesus propaganda, but but certainly a a, a big chunk of. It. I mean, if you know, Richard Dawkins is pretty much running a, a one man crusade against any religion mm-hmm. of any kind, and we have to hear that all the time, <laughs> as if that line makes a difference to you know how much people are being paid, or you know where our clothes are manufactured. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, sure. It's everywhere mm. why are you doing it again why are you making more of this
0: well like you were saying it's, um everyone's had their own two cents on the matter and one scholar has said that interpreting the historical Jesus the, the Jesus that we can know from history is a bit like looking into a well you get a reflection of yourself there's a jewish interpretation thing called a midrash where you sort of write an interpretation your, inter- your own interpretation of the of scriptures and so it's a bit like that it's kind of like it's like an atheist gospel of jesus right. i guess atheist good news of jesus though it is a tragedy so <laughs> it's uh yeah well, so i guess i wanted to s- want people to see jesus in a, in a, in a new human humanistic way uh, and, you know, that occasionally gets played with in the portrayals of Jesus, but I don't think anyone's done Jesus quite as humanly as I have.
1: Have you seen The Last Temptation of I have. Christ? I
0: love The Last Temptation of Christ. One, like, it's my favourite Jesus film, but it still portrays him as kind of a god.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's <laughs> not I don't... It's it's one of my it's it's one of my I w- I'm quite a big Martin Scorsese fan. For mm-hmm. me, it's a mid-level Martin Scorsese. It's okay. it's good enough to watch and enjoy. Mm-hmm. There's some good things about it, but it's not quite as amazing as it could have been, like a few other of his movies. And you know, it's nowhere near the top 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 tier for me. But it's not shit. It's not
0: <laughs> what do you think would have made it better?
1: Um, yeah, probably more human. Probably. T- and all of the burning bush stuff taken out and all of that stuff I mean that's the yeah, that's the thing I, I, I would have liked it to have been I don't know am- more ambiguous um, and it is quite an ambiguous film mm. I mean the dream sequence is an amazing thing but maybe I'd have liked Jesus to have actually done that sort of thing rather than dream about what he could have had but I mean it's a great it's a great film mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Willem Dafoe is great yes, yeah. Should cast him as more um, important uh,
0: figures in history. In my case, I wonder if people are kind of ready for an utterly human Jesus. But I mean, yeah. h- because I'm sure they've
1: seen an utterly hu- human Jesus. I wonder
0: if they have. Maybe they have. Maybe I'm just ignorant.
1: I mean, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think uh, of it. I mean, I don't know. Jesus Christ, superstar's quite even that. Is quite is that? human at times. Is it? I mean, even, like, it's those human moments. Like, we we all understand the possibility mm. of... And, and it's not against the religious doctrine to, to suggest that Jesus was human, because he was human.
0: Yeah, sure. According to... The Trinity, yeah.
1: Right. So, uh, a Christian wouldn't say that Jesus wasn't human. No. They would say that his humanity was the beauty of it.
0: Yeah.
1: And... S- what do you think makes someone human? What do you think are the qualities that you're presenting in Jesus that, that make him more, <coughs> more human than, than, than the other representations that we've seen of him? I mean, what's the, what's the what's this human spice you're throwing into, <laughs> your, into your mix?
0: It's not so much the question of the human spice as in the question of the divine essence and the fact that I leave that out. So in the Gospels, in the New Testament, in fact, you can draw a line of the rising Christology Of Jesus the Christology is the study of the figure of Jesus and how human he is or how divine he is and in certain parts of the New Testament he's got a very high Christology which means that he's very very divine and then in other parts he's got a very low Christology which means that he's very very human one of the examples of that is when his family come round to see him preaching and try to take him away from his preaching because they say he's lost his mind or there's another part where he says why do you call me good there's no one good except God or then there's a few other parts where he can't heal people because they don't believe and stuff like that so there's a sort of a a line in the gospels of more and less divine Jesus Jesus is and in my play it's pretty much no divine except what the characters are talking about and thinking about in their own heads
1: but isn't there something divine within humanity I mean, isn't there something, you know, that, that in the in the idea of you presenting someone, something true, something realistic, the mm-hmm. attraction that you have towards that idea, isn't that in its purity that you're going for, isn't that something that could be compared to the idea of divine? Humanists kind of see the divine within humans, don't right.
0: they? yeah. Yeah, I mean, you can say that that's sort of pantheism or... Even Christian atheists will interpret things in that way.
1: What the yeah. hell's a Christian atheist, by the way? What the, uh, what the non... what, what Yeah, no, hell's wrong to say about a, a, an atheist, potentially. Say again? It's wrong for me to say what the hell is a Christian <laughs> atheist, because they might not accept that there is a hell, and therefore it's a useless phrase.
0: You see how difficult it is to talk about these things, because they're so embedded into our language... And they're so embedded into our assumptions and our presuppositions about Jesus and about belief in him and so forth. Uh, well, we, so,
1: we call his name when we're having sex. Generally exactly, speaking, he yeah. is—he's is, <laughs> everywhere we are. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I mean, or well, when we hit our ha- thumbs with a hammer, right, or Whatever. Right, I mean, right. So yeah, it, indeed, he's there, there When is, we're
1: in pain, he's there. When we're in pleasure.
0: Yeah, it's—it's it's incredible, really. And and you know that's, to me, that's kind of a good, argument for the existence of something like that. Except for the fact that everybody's got a different version of that, that those things that they shout during pain or pleasure all yeah, over but the world.
1: They're generally like a big god figure. Yeah,
0: they're generally like a big god. figure. I mean, figure. there are
1: exceptions, though.
0: Yeah. So this idea of what you what you talk, you mean like an ultimate truth, an ultimate d- human perfect principle, or something like that? Well,
1: yeah. I mean, what I'm saying is, I guess that that like. I don't think we should have to conceive of Jesus as either God or man. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of uh, those things being within the same thing, heaven and hell being the same place, that they are mm-hmm. all contain these kind of multiplicities, not even dualities uh, within ourselves. That's my kind of view on, not my spirituality, because I, I don't know if I believe in that, but I think it'd be a nice thing if that if that was the case that's the nicest thing i can believe the idea that 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 we can contain everything within one thing so when we're looking at jesus we're so used to seeing him in binary terms but because we're used to seeing him in binary, binary terms he is one of the characters we maybe see a little bit more uh fluidity in the way we interpret him uh than some of the other characters that we have like he's not like we We see him as good, we see him as pure good, mm. but he 's not completely holy, so that he's, he's compromised good, but still yeah. he 's the most important good there is right it's well kind of a nice idea,
0: yeah, and one of the earliest beliefs of christianity was that Jesus was like the best example of humanity that you could live up to right, and so you could when they decided on the divinity of christ in 300 at the council of nicaea in 350 ad ce they had two options in front of them they said right either jesus is god fully god right from the start always was always will be or he's the first thing that god ever created and he's he's a he's a sort of a perfect standard for everybody else to live up to and a, a reachable standard because we can all follow him and become like him and there's this one early Christian writes that this entity became man so that man could become God so but that doctrine never caught on and was was banned after 350 AD CE so I disagree that we see Jesus in that kind of liberal way though I I do agree that that's a general perception amongst just people of the world, but technically he's meant to be according into christian orthodoxy pure God, and you uh i think you can well you obviously you can go into heaven to be with him and everything, but you can't become him or you can't become as, right, as he's Aslan. uh is that is that yeah. the c s lewis thing yeah, yeah
1: yeah yeah i mean you you can you can you can you can love Aslan, but mm-hmm. you can't exactly be him,
0: right? Because <laughs> he's a lion. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, yeah, <laughs> I mean that's that's that's. I would imagine that C.S. Lewis's um, theology is uh, very very orthodox. I don't know loads about him, but from what well, I've read about him,
1: I think yes he's probably a little bit more complicated than, than
0: that. He did believe in aliens, apparently. Right. <laughs> but he's, I mean, he's but, more complicated
1: um, than that. I mean, uh, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis had an argument because Tolkien thought it was wrong to uh, mix Christianity with uh, mythology, mm-hmm. uh, even if it was for the purpose of evangelising. Mm. Um, Tolkien thought that fantasy should be completely and utterly separated from reality, of course, not realizing that he was replicating his own racism and uh, patriarchy in his own life, you know his, mm-hmm. his 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 world is not unrelated to our reality as much as he'd like. But mm-hmm. but C.S. Lewis was all for mixing the two uh, together, um, and he was a bit more New Age than that. I think uh, his, I mean, in his story, it's a like the the end of. I mean, have you read? So spoiler alert for the end of the last <laughs> battle. But in the end of the last battle, Aslan, every everybody in Narnia goes to judgment. They go mm. through judgment and they're taken away. One one black person, one well, Asian person gets in to heaven. There's one Calamine <laughs> under the tree playing a liar, um, right. and he gets in because he's good. So it's okay. One of them was good. <laughs> Um, so you know, he, there's a, there's issues in both, right, race-wise, <laughs> but they go they go up, and the, the whole of Narnia goes to judgment, and they're all happy, and they're all with with Aslan, and all of the people who from this world who went there all happened to have died at the same time because they were going they were trying to get back they knew something was wrong and they all die in a train accident all of the different people who've always been you know we've seen them through the other books there's a whole group of them and they all died together but it's seen as a good thing because they get to be with Aslan and and everyone in Narnia for the rest of their lives Uh, and they're all there and they look across the uh, they look across the the kind of abyss and they see earth and there's earth and guess what? Their mum and dad have died as well in the same uh, train accident. It's brilliant. But where's Susan? Oh, Susan didn't believe in Narnia anymore because she'd got into lipstick and boys.
0: <laughs> and so where's Susan?
1: She's still alive. But th- that oh, is that's a bad thing because she's not with her family in heaven. She didn't get into heaven because of the fact that so she got into lipstick
0: and boys. She's but what happens when all, all she dies? All her family's
1: dead. All her family's <laughs> dead. She's got the
0: rest of her but life. But what happens when she dies? To say.
1: Well, I, I guess she'll get into heaven. I'd hope that C.S. Lewis would would think that after people have uh, got into lipstick and boys, they can at least find you know <laughs> heaven in a different. I mean, it's ridiculous judgment
0: that he's made there, but
1: a lot of his books good. I'm not, <laughs> and, you know, Does he a have a
0: hell in in the in the in that uh, world?
1: Not yes it's implied right that's right because because aslan and tash who's the bad god he's uh he's the calamine god uh he's like a vulture with loads of arms so he's like an indian god okay and he's like um the opposite of Aslan, and they stand on either sides of this uh manger uh and everyone from narnia lines up and goes through it and it's implied that the ones who go with the bad God, it's not good for.
0: Um, Mm, Okay. Yeah. So he doesn't actually spell it out, but it's it's implied. It's implied. It's a kid. Okay. Yeah. True. True.
1: And uh, but but you know, only one of the brown-skinned people gets into heaven. That's all you need to know. And women aren't allowed to wear makeup, or they don't get into heaven. (laughs) Big disappointment. Big disappointment. Patriarchy wins throughout. I mean, I guess is that also one of the. one of the reasons to retell the Jesus myth. I mean, you're, rec- you're recontextualizing it. Are you are you yeah. addressing race? Are you addressing gender? Are you addressing any of these things? That
0: not so much race because all the people in the ca- in the cast are like from a very s- small geographical area. Though I would like to do the whole thing with a, a purely Near Eastern cast. So not so much race, but there is gender is looked at. There's a character in it who is uh, who represents the Greek influence on Jesus. Uh, the cynical Greek influence. She's a prostitute, a sex worker, a philosopher. She's been taught by previous masters the benefits of the Cynic's philosophy, which is kind of um, the guy who lived in a barrel and said that he didn't need anything. Yeah.
1: Diogenes the Cynic.
0: Diogenes—that's the one who sort of masturbates in 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 public. Behave like a dog. Might as well behave
1: like a dog. And then he went into the middle of the town and centre and behaved like a dog.
0: Yeah. 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 So and she's she does a similar thing. She's like she behaves like a dog, or in her words, like a bitch, and she begs and sort of pokes fun at all the beliefs that people have about the gods and about God, and she has an influence on Jesus in talking about. How you don't really need anything in this life, and you can just live in a barrel, and you can just give all your stuff away, and just beg for food, and you'll be you'll be uh, of a higher moral order, I think, than the people around you. She hangs out with the people who have this uh, this sort of group of people who have an effect on Jesus in the the town of Sepphoris, which is where a majority a lot a lot of the play is set. And they, so they all, they're all talking about different ideas, and she represents the nascent atheists who were around at the time. Surprisingly, you wouldn't have thought so, but there were Greek atheist philosophers from before the time of Jesus, and you know, and she, so she represents that sort of strain of of thought.
1: So I mean, if your Jesus is a human, right? Mm-hmm. What is what is what's his character? Describe his character. Because that's something I feel that we never really get in Jesus' stuff, like an actual character.
0: Mm. It's a very hard one. And I think maybe that's a that's a reason why you could argue that maybe he wasn't real because there's so many varieties of character and so forth. But in my version, he's like a 14-year-old. He's like maybe me or you were when we were 14, 15. Very self-righteous, thinks he knows it all. He's had a a bad time of it, and he has had a bad time of it in in my play because he's you know an ostracized mamza child, a bastard child, so nobody likes him. Um, and he uh wants to be independent and he wants to do his own thing and he wants to get out of Nazareth. And you know, he hates the hypocrisy that he sees around him, he hates the way people have treated him. And he's even sort of originally, he has problems with God and what God has given him, you know, like this, this childhood of neglect and ostracization. And so he originally sort of thinks that there's a curse on him, like that he's infected with a, with an unclean spirit because of what's, what's happened in his life so far. So there's quite a crucial scene somewhere in the middle of the the story where it's at this wandering preacher, teacher person takes pity on him and actually sort of exercises him of this unclean spirit and Jesus is uh, exercised somewhat like a a modern-day exorcism would happen where there's a lot of screaming and a lot of uh, naming of the demon involved and stuff like that so he's basically sort of mixed up confused angry uh full of rage frustration hate and so forth but there's there's a part of him that's quite intelligent and willing to uh, engage with different people's ideas and willing to learn as well but yeah that's so that's the kind of the the basis that I had for the character as well. What are people like when they're about fifteen, you know what are fire brands or political leaders and so forth, or even artists or anyone who has a big effect on society like when they're fifteen generally they're quite self righteous and quite um sanctimonious i guess to some extent, and they're always looking for a for a solution for like that one thing that makes everything fits you know because that, at that age you're kind of looking for philosophies for philosophies aren't you looking for ways of life
1: yes so i mean i don't think i've stopped looking for the thing that's going to make everything go nice yeah, yeah. right right okay so no i'm not problem. sure that human beings necessarily stop doing that when they get older no they don't we become a bit more aware that we're doing it
0: but we we, we, we but we, <laughs> we do know fit. it's impossible <laughs> maybe but we do fit into we like it's an impressionable age isn't it I mean we do fit into those what the patterns that we lay down when we're about that age are kind of the ones that stay with us yeah so it's kind of about that
1: and so you've done all of this work you've done all of this thinking about it you've done lots of research mm-hmm. uh, into it yeah. sounds like you've been doing research into just general 14 year old behaviour as well as into kind of ancient biblical texts and you've written it yep yeah. You've rewritten it a yep. few times, knowing you. I mean, you came to writing quite late in life, but you mm-hmm. certainly like the process of it, which has always been what you were into in music, was process. And you've been rewriting and rewriting it, and now you're kickstarting it.
0: That's right, yeah. Um, I'm going to do a kickstarter, which may already be up at this point, hoping to raise funds to have it performed
1: there's some weird feedback happening i hope it's only happening on my headphones and not on the actual recording i don't see any reason why it would be happening on the recording why would it be happening on the recording what kind of a production are you looking to put on
0: the cast is seven the show is about an hour and 20 minutes so it's possibly just a small little theater with 50 seats or so
1: Why should people give money to
0: this? (laughs) That's a good question. I suppose to help promote atheist, humanist, agnostic, whatever, portrayals of Christian mythology, I kind of want to deconstruct Jesus in the same way that Alan Moore deconstructed superheroes. And... I think that would make... I mean, that's the kind of play I'd love to see, you know. So I've just kind of written the play that I'd love to see. And hopefully other people will will love to see that as well. And be
1: a part of making it.
0: Yeah, and be a part of making it right.
1: And what is a uh, Christian atheist? Because I think that we got derailed and we never actually had an answer to that. What is that?
0: Okay, so a Christian atheist is someone who doesn't believe in any supernatural God or gods or miracles or anything like that but they still enjoy and take part in the liturgy and the rituals of Christianity like baptism or marriage or whatnot or going to church and they typically interpret the teachings of Jesus as all being about the kingdom of God and this may be one of, this is a, there's an argument to be made for the Cornerstone of Jesus's teaching was this idea of the kingdom of God, and the kingdom of God, according to these people, would be a society run on the perfect morals of God and the perfect way of doing things of God, where nobody goes hungry so and everybody's you build, looked after. Build the kingdom of God
1: here on earth.
0: Right. Yeah. There's a scholar called Dominic Crossan who who uh, espouses this particularly, and um, it's so it's kind of, you know, like a, a little bit sort of proto-Marxist in a way. Um,
1: what I mean, do you like Christian atheism as a, as a way of thinking, or is it just one of the many areas that you think these people might be interested in my play?
0: I like it as a way of thinking. I think it's, I would certainly like there to be more Christian atheists, yeah. I think they'd be a good for the, good force for the world.
1: So they basically follow the Sermon on the Mount kind of way of thinking of the world and, and the kind of proto-socialist uh, interpretation of, of Jesus.
0: Mm. Yep, right on.
1: Yeah, well, you know, fine. It takes, <laughs> it takes all sorts, I don't mind.
0: I mean, the kingdom of God is a very tricky thing to interpret because lots of people will say, oh, that means heaven, and then other people will say, oh, that means the church, and then other people will say, oh, that means this... I'm not,
1: Paradise I don't think Earth. I'm that keen on... I, I, I'm, I'm not that keen on the idea of institutions, like, to enforce morality. So mm-hmm. I'm not too keen on marriage and uh, other Christian uh, slash capitalist slash patriarchy course, <laughs> slash anything that controls people... Uh, organisational structures I find them a little bit repellent whether people the people uh, in charge of them believe in an all-powerful being or whether they just you know believe in an all-powerful ideology I don't I don't like I don't like that Mm. so that bit of your description of the Christian atheists didn't appeal to me because it's like well you're basically saying that this is the way everyone should be it's just you don't believe in God but you do believe in that structure that structure's not been great for everybody throughout history so
0: yeah yeah I mean it's you know it still suffers from being a grand narrative or whatever you know it's It's not an
1: adaptable social approach it's a rigid one
0: I would say it's less rigid though
1: fair enough I mean I don't know I'm I'm commenting on a a group of people that I don't (laughs) really know anything about
0: Um, and I'd say it's less rigid and I'd say it's um, you know, because people get very, very rigid when it comes down to this idea of the supernatural God, don't they? You know, they get very, very, very particular about what this Almighty Being cares about, what people do with their genitals or whatnot. So, I know I, it. It took the Catholic ch- Church what four hundred years to admit evolution. You know, I wonder if in a thousand years the Catholic Church will say, oh, actually, it is. we're going to go with Christian atheism. Do you know what I mean? Because there's always this uh, sort of march towards uh, a greater... Well, you'd like to think there's a march to a greater moral understanding of everything. And I suppose I would like to see more Christian atheists, certainly.
1: I mean, you know... I know you're born into this this predominantly Christian culture, mm-hmm. but for someone who's a non-believer, you seem particularly interested in Christianity. Mm-hmm. Christianity over other ones. Mm, yeah. I mean, have you ever believed in God?
0: Yeah, I believed in God until I was about 13 or so. I went to a church school, so, uh, you know, we were very drilled in in terms of uh, church the primary thing. school church primary school right, yeah because we went to the same second yeah <laughs> um and you know we so i you know my favorite bible story was always the good Samaritan, I always remember being that thinking that was an impressive piece of um teaching, and I, I always thought that was the right way to go uh so yeah, I mean, you know a lot of things had a big effect on me as a kid. You know, music and computers and stuff, but I think Christianity had quite a big effect on me as well.
1: Was your were your parents? Are your parents believers? No,
0: my parents aren't believers. My mum's definitely not a believer. Uh, So that's another thing is that I kind of got a very sort of humanist upbringing from my mum and a very sort of scientific upbringing from my mum. You know, always interested in nature and human evolution and stuff. As a kid, growing up. And I guess one of the things that interests me about Christianity, like I said earlier, was that you know I used to kind of think of it as an evolution, like this guy came along 2000 years ago and he made things better, and um, we evolved to a more conscientious state of being because of his teachings, and that's kind of one of the things I'm questioning in, in the play. It's like, did we actually move on at that point? Or did things just remain the same? So it's a, you know, that's kind of an unexplored, an an unresolved issue for me.
1: Why did you stop believing in
0: God? I don't remember, actually. I remember reading someone when I was about 12 or 13 that said, I believe Jesus was a great moral teacher, but I don't think he was the son of God. And I remember thinking, yeah, I agree with that. But I didn't really, didn't really pay it that much attention when I was a kid. Only, uh, only just sort of assumed it because people taught me it. And then, as I got older, I just stopped believing.
1: Yeah, I'm like, I don't remember when I stopped believing in Father Christmas.
0: You don't uh, remember when you stopped believing in Father Christmas? No, I know, no. I know,
1: I I know I, ha- I know I don't. I mean, I think maybe I didn't ever.
0: <laughs> I thought, yeah, I d I don't think you ever did. <laughs> I because 'Cause I'm more spiritual than you. Yeah, I'm mean, <laughs> No I'm not.
1: <laughs> I like I like believed in all the stories, I think. And so I believed I, I in can so really I can imagine you didn't really believed in none believe, of them, right? Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. I mean I know thing. my religious I mean I know you, I had a very complicated religious development. Oh yeah. Yeah, well, I I was a Christian for a few years and then I got into um, Greek mythology and believed in them for a bit. Then I believed in Norse mythology. <clears throat> uh, then I was a pagan for a bit, tempted a little bit by the occult and uh, tarot and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then obviously, you know, I'm an agnostic militantly, mm-hmm. so I mean... I, now mm-hmm. um, but yeah no, I believed in all of those things for a bit like properly believed in
0: them mm. I think that's one of the good things about you is you you can always properly believe in sort of things yeah
1: right? I mean I was quite young
0: mm.
1: I don't know if it's just me I think everyone that age can quite properly believe, you know you can. it's fun to believe mm. in
0: yeah, things because it's
1: just like it's, I mean it basically is what you do every time you pick up a book it's what you do every time you play a computer game or watch a TV programme
0: mm-hm. fun yeah and faith is fun
1: yeah well and also I I definitely think it's it's absolutely ridiculous to say that you know or you don't know Mm. anything about the larger elements of our existence Mm. like we don't know we're finding out more all the time but nothing we've found out has disproved God yet and whether, I don't like the concept of God as a man, I don't like the concept of God as a white man, and I don't <laughs> like the concept of God as a, a a thing that we can control other people with. And so I, I instinctively don't buy those, those, those stories. Mm. Something completely unknowable that controls us or created us, probably that has no interest particularly in us. I mean, we are insignificant. Uh, Cosm in terms of the whole of the universe, humans are pretty <laughs> insignificant. Mm. So, but I, we can't know either way. And when anyone says, "I absolutely know this," I, mm, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't buy it. So, I, I do get just as annoyed with atheists as I do with uh, Christians. And equally, I like atheists and like Christians mm-hmm. and like people of all faiths, mm-hmm. regardless. I mean, not you know, not universally, I don't like everybody, but I I, I don't think that I have a problem with being friends with somebody who believes... You know, what was it Dorkin said about Mehdi Hassan from the New Statesman? He said, how can we listen to him because he believes in flying horses or something like this? Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's like, I've got no problem uh, being and engaging with people who believe in, in these impossible ideas. And actually, I have actually I have more respect for people who are religious in some ways than people who are atheists because yeah, because there's a, there's a leap of faith element uh, in Christianity or in most, Mm -hmm. in all, probably all faiths. That's the leap. That's why I've got a leap of faith (laughs) where you are saying it's unknowable, but that's okay. I'm giving myself over to this impossible thing. Like Mm -hmm. it's like, it's bigger than me that I am the, 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 I am not the most important bloody thing in the world there mm. is more
0: yeah it's that numinous kind of thing right
1: and and a lot of the time um like I feel like that's something that I can respect people making that making that call mm. uh, and I think that scientific people make that call too I'm not saying that the people don't go wow evolution is a bigger thing than us like that's that's like I'm not saying that they don't also decentralized human experience from the way they conceive of the world. But I, I guess there's a sense of like, knowing that whilst it's, I I don't know, it's there and it's, it's there on both sides. It's definitely Mm. there on both sides. But I guess the, the, the religious people I like the most are ones who are not like i know more i know better than you mm. and the atheist people who i like the most are the ones who are like i don't know you know I like, i don't know more than you mm-hmm. the ones who are like the world's impossible and that's <laughs> okay you know yeah
0: yeah i don't agree
1: so i mean i guess i don't know convolutedly that's why and that's why I'm, i hold to the principle of ag- agnosticism I mean, personally, I don't think that there's a Christian God, you know, Mm -hmm. like what you said. Uh, I think there could be. I couldn't rule out the possibility that there's a Christian God, but it seems to me created by, you know, human beings to control other human beings, Mm -hmm. simply by the nature of its gender. Uh, That suggests that to me. That's definitely
0: one thing, isn't it? I mean, that comes across as, you know, just right off the bat. Yeah, that, that is uh, problematic. So I don't buy and, that, um, yeah. and I think there's a lot of things like, like like along those lines. But I think there's a real problem in
1: trying to tell people what to think and trying mm. to say that one one ridiculous worldview is more is, is better or worse than another ridiculous worldview. This idea that we know that we uh, can put ourselves above other people. Mm. is problematic to me Mm -hmm. but it's but it happens on both sides for sure Mm -hmm. and marginalized people just because they're marginalized doesn't make them right um and you know it's ridiculous to suggest that christianity is marginalized in this country for a start i do Mm -hmm. i do object to that when when people start talking about how oppressed they are uh they're not that oppressed really and they oppress much more but it's it's really complicated and the great thing about talking about something like this for an hour is you know you get to offend every single person (laughs) that's listening Uh, (laughs) you know here i am passing judgment on people who pass judgment
0: yeah i mean i think that's one of the things that i always love about talking about religion or talking about spirituality atheism god etc is that it's never really a resolvable question, in 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 in, in it really sort of like exposes the human uh, limitations of understanding, you know, in on all sides, like you say, and you know, it's it's uh, it's a kind of a humbling thing to do, and I suppose with this play is what I'm trying to do is get people to a to a point. Of questioning, uh, look at their own assumptions and look at their own beliefs and, um, you know, and feel humble to some extent.
1: I mean, do you think that the play will offend people of faith? I don't know. Do you care if it does?
0: I don't think I care because everything that happens in the play is consistent with what could have happened to a historical Jesus, to some extent. So, I don't know. I mean, I've had ex-believers read it, and they say that their most problematic points were when Jesus is being bullied. They didn't like the scenes where Jesus is being bullied. I don't think you've read those scenes, but there's a scene when he first goes to Sepphoris to work amongst the Greeks, and he goes with the other youth from Nazareth, and the other youth from Nazareth kind of just hate him and don't let him eat with them and push him away and call him names and stuff like that so he's really a, like you know badly abused and that was a kind of a painful scene to write and people have read it and said oh you know I, this kind of went through me and it made me feel really disturbed and you know especially that scene where he's tempted with sex I think you've yeah, you've read, read that, that scene one, yeah. yeah. and so but even those things are written within the christian mythos because according to the gospels jesus was abused and according to the gospels jesus was tempted so i'm putting them into a different context but i don't think it's a uh, you know it's not with a, like a clear intention to offend like the offense will be in someone else's mind rather than...
1: So you're not kind of adolescently trying to offend uh, people of faith with this piece of work but you accept that there is a likelihood that it may offend people mm. and you feel like it's it's a justified piece of work yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, d- that makes sense definitely
0: I mean when I was writing it I tried to do two things I tried to not deliberately offend but at the same time I tried not to hold back from offending which i think is uh, a, a thing that's happened in jesus literature since day one right everybody's always pulled back a little bit I, i've not pulled any punches and that was that was intentional so i'm i'm not there i mean like i said like the bullying scene the act the exorcism scene the 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 stoning scene. Yeah. I mean, all these things could well offend people, but they're they're there because they fit the story.
1: That's a story you want to, and you wanna tell it on stage. And I mean that leads me on to the last question <laughs> which has pretty much been the whole of the episode. <laughs> Give or take the kind of prologue in the sunshine. <laughs> Do you have anything to plug?
0: Yeah, go to Kickstarter and please, uh, if you like, then give us your support because we're going to need it. People are resistant to this idea, I've found. And maybe it's because I'm I'm not the greatest writer or something like that, I'm not sure. But people generally don't like to think about this sort of thing, don't like to think about the historical Jesus and his meaning to us as a civilization and I'd like to change that I suppose I'd like the Bible and everything and all faiths to be uh, reinterpreted in a a more humanistic fashion and so with your support we we can put this on stage and we can we can get something maybe big underway with my show it is kind of questioning Christian theology in a very very direct and unflinching way and so for me that's uh, for me that's what I'd like to see on stage and like I said I've just written something that I'd like to see and if other people want to see it too then then please uh, give us some cash <laughs> and um, we can we can make it a reality
1: And Have you casted everything
0: yet? Uh, we've got a few actors who are interested and like I say we want to try and do it with an almost exclusively Near Eastern cast which is proving difficult but we've got a few people who are interested
1: and the last thing that I ask my guests to do is to say goodbye to the audience
0: goodbye audience thank you for listening
1: you can find Getting Better Acquainted on Twitter at UBA podcast you can find it on Facebook it's getting better acquainted have a search on facebook and like it or you can find it on the website www.gettingbetteracquainted.co.uk you can also subscribe by searching on itunes and subscribing to us that way and on the stitcher smart radio app you can download for your smartphone from stitcher.com or through the app store there are lots of ways to get better acquainted